0: What is up? Welcome back to the GameCockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GameCockScoop.com on the Rivals Network. Uh, we're live on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, all the fun things. So if you're on any of those, pop in, leave some comments. We'll try to engage with those comments. Um, we do this every week on Thursday to preview the game. And then we begin on Saturday or Sunday to review the game. Um, I'm Caleb Alexander, publisher and recruiting writer at Gamecocks Group, and I'm here with Alan Cole, who is the beat reporter, covers every major sport, um, and even some of the non-major ones sometimes. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's get right into this weekend, which is big in a lot of ways. we um, got the number one team in the, in the country coming to town. Uh, it's also a very big recruiting weekend. I'm going to write more about this tomorrow in my weekly recruiting wrap-up, which I put out every day. The weekly recruiting wrap-up presented by MyPerfectFranchise.net. Oh, we got our first sponsor um, on the weekly recruiting wrap-up. Um, by the way, if any of you are business owners or anything, still looking for podcast sponsors, so reach out. RivalsGameCockScoop at gmail.com, or you can just tweet at me or something. We'll figure something out. Um, But yeah, so big recruiting weekend. Um, If you follow recruiting at South Carolina at all, this is the way Beamer put it in his uh, press conference earlier this week. If you follow uh, recruiting at all at South Carolina, you know how important the weekend is. And that's largely because five-star Nicholas Harbour is taking an official visit this weekend. Something we've been talking about for weeks. Um, He's definitely the biggest recruit left on the board. Um, There's a few others if you go back. Uh, it was three or four weeks ago to my weekly recruiting wrap-up i kind of laid out what the board looks like left but no doubt that harbor the five-star athlete out of um, the dmv region is the number one guy still on the board um i actually am previewing the visit with zabari sandy db db commit um for south carolina he was the first commit in the recruiting class uh, he's been an ambassador, really, uh, since he committed. And he, along with Tobin Babalai, a.k.a. Big Tree, um, and Desmond Umi-Ozulu, along with the rest of the D-Line recruiting class and uh, several other 2023 commits, are all going to be on campus this weekend to try to land harbor in the boat. Uh, that was a nice little pun that I didn't mean to. <laughs> I guess the boat would land in the harbor, but you, you get what I'm saying um so yeah uh as said the class is doing its part the coaches are doing their part now the visit just has to play out and we'll kind of see what happens um if you've been keeping up with my future cast i have a future cast set for nicholas harbour um haven't had any reason to change it up until this point looking forward to seeing um what he says coming out of this weekend and kind of kind of going from there i know michigan's another big player there um there was a bunch of 2024 and 25 guys on campus for the Georgia State game. We've started to roll out some of those articles. Cameron Michael was one that we caught up with this week. Um, we got a Mazio Bennett article coming out in the next few days from Lee Wardlaw. Um, there's a few more 2024 guys on campus this weekend. Um, I know Josiah Thompson and uh, Cam Pringle, to name a few. Cam Pringle's supposed to be back again for SC State too, so a few, few visits there. Um, and then the 2025 Rivals recruiting rankings came out this week, or at least the, the initial Rivals 100 for 2025. And actually, the number one overall player, which is David Sanders out of Charlotte, he plays at Providence Day. He's an offensive tackle. Um, he's going to be in town for the game, too. So number one overall for the 2025 class, uh, which seems like forever away. But, you know, you, you got to lay the, the foundation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you gotta you gotta lay that foundation also uh 2025 d lineman amari adams he's visited several times already he was one of the few 25 recruits uh at the cookout he's supposed to be in on this weekend as well he didn't make that initial top 100 but it's only a matter of time in my opinion he's 6'5 280 pounds as a sophomore he's beast um in guy so, yeah, there's there's a lot of big big names on campus this weekend. Um, I'll have a full list of the recruiters listed on that weekly recruiting wrap-up first thing tomorrow. Another official visitor, um, Jatavia Shivers, who's already committed. Um, remember, he was committed to Vandy and then decommitted and then committed to South Carolina. But he actually hasn't taken an official visit to South Carolina yet, so he's doing that this weekend. Um, a little bit on the basketball front. So one of the top in-state targets. We talked a little bit about this before. Um, 2024 four-star Cam Scott uh, is supposed to take his official visit to South Carolina in a few weeks for the Texas A&M weekend. So that's October 22nd. Um, and then this weekend, three-star point guard Elijah Crawford, who's out of Greenville. He goes to Legacy Early College in Greenville. Um, he's taking an unofficial visit this weekend. He, he posted that on his Twitter. Um Couple days ago, Um, and even though he's a three-star, his offer list is is pretty impressive uh, thus far. So you got Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, Wichita State, Xavier, Indiana. Um, So that would be another one in-state guy that uh, South Carolina would really like to like to have. Um, I think that's pretty much it as far as recruiting goes. Like I said, tomorrow morning, weekly recruiting wrap up. That's a premium article. If you don't have Rivals Premium. It's only $100 a year, so hop on that, or you can pay 10 bucks a month, whatever. Cheaper than Netflix, as I keep saying. Um, and you know, where else are you going to get this specific um, of recruiting coverage and team coverage and everything else that we have on GamecocksGroup.com? A bunch of stats right.
1: for you that you're not going to find in a box score that drop every
2: Monday.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite articles um, that we've been... Been looking at thus far. Anything uh fun from last week? I mean, I don't know if they were fun because kind of some of them were a little negative, but what was well, your favorite step Uh it's
1: and we've got a note on it to discuss later, but it's the Antoine Wells Jr. thing. I mean, he popped against Arkansas, two big explosive plays, but you he's really we weren't really sure who the main target was gonna be for Rattler, especially on big plays, but on third and fourth downs, it's pretty clear where he's looking at least through two games.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested to see now that, you know, some teams have some film on them. Obviously, you know, Georgia's defensive staff is one of the best in the country. I'm interested to see how they handle Wells. Do they kind of try to bracket him and take him out of the game? And then, you know, does does that open things up for a couple of the other options? Do we see some more Joheem Bell in the receiving game this week, which I know we're gonna talk about too? Um, so I'm interested to see how Georgia kind of plays him. Because that was something, even though South Carolina struggled against Georgia last year, um, they did hit some big plays in the passing game, especially in the first half. So, um, all right, let's get into the bad news first. Um, and then we'll kind of try to find some hope uh, as we're heading into this weekend against the number one team in the country. So, injury updates what are you hearing since last week on injuries?
1: I mean, the first ones you got to start, it's Mokaba and Jordan Strawn. Both tore their ACLs, both out for the season. I think we had a pretty good idea that was coming, at least with Strawn. Um, we talked about it last Saturday in the post-game wrap-up, just the way that one looked, the amount of time he was in the tent. Um, it's, there's no way around it. It's brutal. Strawn's had one of these uh, in 2020 before. Um. Kaba is losing his spot now to Sherrod Green, who's had two of these um, back-to-back years in 2000, not ACLs, but season any injuries in September 2020 and 2021. It's brutal. There's, there's no way around it. thats I mean, Strawn was a starter. Kaba was a starter. It's Yeah, there's no other way around it. It's just a terrible, terrible start to SEC play for South Carolina on that front. And it only got worse. But in terms of guys off for the season, it's those two for now.
0: Yeah, um, we did kind of hint at both of those after the game on Saturday. Um, and, yeah, both positions of need, <laughs> both positions that you're, you're kind of thin. So you're going to see Sherrod Green, um, which you wrote a, a good article about how, you know, this is his sixth year. He's been through a couple of injuries over the past couple of years, including one that he sustained against Georgia last year. Um, so he's he's been trying to talk to those guys, especially Mo uh, Kaba, about, you know, Keeping keeping the your your mental your mentality uh, positive and and everything and and working your way back and if anyone knows he would obviously and then you got Gilbert Edmund kind of stepping into that role for Jordan Stron which he's looked pretty good he's he's flashed yeah. here early in the season but he he's definitely you know it it would be nice to have him as a depth piece coming off the bench instead of it completely on him. Uh, we might see some Terrell Dawkins kind of step into that reserve role that Edmund's been playing. I think
1: um, I get a lot more snaps as we get too.
0: Yeah, that too. So and this is I mean, this is why you bring in a transfer like Terrell Dawkins, right? You're trying to build that depth. Um, we kind of thought maybe he would push for a starting role, but now you know, he's going to have to step up uh, if, if he's called to. Same with Tyreek Johnson, like you said. And then there's a bunch of guys that we don't really know at the moment. Hopefully we'll hear some more tonight on Carolina Calls uh, about the specifics. We've got Corey Rucker, Cam Smith, David Spaulding, RJ Roderick, Boogie Huntley. Um, as of the last we heard, all questionable for Georgia. What, do you have any feeling on any of those and what you think might actually play so, out there?
1: I'm just, I'm just trying to think. I want to be careful what I say because I don't know when this stuff's just so fleeting at times. But Spaulding, I feel shaky on because he didn't make the trip to Arkansas at all. He didn't even make the travel roster. Roderick didn't either, but it does sound like Roderick gets healed a little bit quicker if you're kind of reading between the lines. um Now, how much Roderick would play anyway because Nicky he's played so well? We talked about him Saturday. we talked about him basically every podcast through all of Cam. I mean, right. he might have that job anyway, but um, Cam Smith, I mean, that's the one that I don't really have a read on. Um, and that's the important one. My, my Cam Smith thing is, yeah, it, maybe it's not long-term. Maybe he's not going to miss a month. But if it was something minor, he wouldn't have missed two and a half quarters at Arkansas because that's someone they really, really need on the field. He's probably the most talented player on that defense. He's, that's an NFL first-round pick. If it was minor, he wouldn't have been out that long, which is all I'm going to say on that, which kind of makes me think he might be trending a little bit more towards the questionable side. Um, but I also know that it's Georgia. He's a competitor. He's going to want to be out there. If he's anywhere close to feeling like he can play, he's going to be out there. But I thought it was interesting that they didn't even try to get him back in the game last Saturday.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's very – especially this season, um, it's been tough to kind of read between the lines on uh, what, what we were saying. you remember uh, preseason, we kind of were like, uh, I don't know if Christian Bill Smith or Corey Rucker are going to play, but he, he took a long time to like fully admit that. Um, so yeah, I kind of have one that same feeling with Cam Smith as I'm not sure. Um, maybe we'll hear tonight, but I... I'm definitely starting to look at the depth chart and wonder who's going to step into that role. Um, so, uh, you know, Darius Rush. It sounds like he's he, he got a little banged up, um, but yeah, he should be Saturday fine.
1: He looked okay. He came back in the game in Arkansas, so that doesn't surprise me.
0: But we might see some more Donald Fortune get, get leaned on here this weekend. Um, who else could we see kind of step um, into that nickel on, role?
1: On, oh, a nickel. You know, I was talking about general, but. Yeah, that's, that is kind of the thing if you're South Carolina right now. Uh, if Cam Smith can't go, if David Spaulding can't go, okay, well, someone's got to play nickel. It was um, O'Donnell Fortune last week. I don't really – I'm trying to think because Clayton White did – I'm pulling up my notes now. Clayton White did kind of address that yesterday. Um, somebody in the press conference did ask him, what's the plan? What's the contingency plan? He was kind of – I don't know what the word is. Nobody's giving away injury information at this point. Those kind of are state secrets. But he didn't sound like he thought both of those were going to be out, which was interesting. Which maybe that's what he wanted to sound like. But he did—he did imply that there were plans in place for, I guess, that'd be a third string hole. Um.
0: Yeah, I mean, I certainly so, agree with what you said uh, a minute out. ago about. Yeah. Um, it, uh, we froze up there for a second um all I was saying is I, I agree with what you were saying about Camp Smith mentally like his mentality if if he can physically go if they can strap it on strap whatever the problem is down and let him go um, he's gonna be out there but you know I sometimes mentally isn't enough what were you saying about stone Blanton I'm sorry
1: He's on the he's on the duty now. It's the first time we've seen him. He's I guess he's now Sherrod Green's backup. He was the third string at that spot um, at that Mike linebacker spot. But Mokaba was obviously down, so that's that's a true freshman who I don't think played it off like played a defensive snap against Georgia State or Arkansas, who is now now one injury away from being your starting. Middle.
0: Yeah, and a, a very talented guy, that's but. but yeah very talented guy, but you don't want a Trusman starting against the number one team in the country if you can help it. <laughs> no. And you and you might have two. I uh, I mean, he's not going to start,
1: him. but yeah, he's not going to start. But you're always one play away. Uh, especially, right. unfortunately, is way around it, which <laughs> greens injury record is history.
0: Um, and then yeah, so I mean. <laughs> This defense going into the season, we were very much like that could be a strength of the team, but they're very thin, and we're immediately in these first uh, few weeks seeing that depth tested. And I don't know. I mean, some 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 of those young guys are going to have to uh, step up quick. Guys like Gilbert Edmond guys like Stone Blanton. Uh, we've already seen Nick and Um, Yeah, I mean, they're just going to have to mature quicker than maybe. Uh, would have been ideal. Oh,
1: Marcellus Dial, by the way, said would be the nickel if Cam and david spaulding both can't go. Finally, got that note pulled up.
0: Okay, that that makes sense.
1: White said yesterday.
0: All right, so yeah, all the injuries.
1: <laughs> oh, one more thing: the carrier despite- winner should be good to go as yeah. Saturday. That's that's my only other injury note. Beamer said he practiced as a Tuesday. He practiced twice this week. I assume he practiced Wednesday and Thursday as well. Um, Sounds like Joiner's going to be a go. All
0: right. Yeah. My wife is playing nice with your Wi Fi right now. So we're a little bit laggy, but that's okay. Um, So despite all the injuries, uh, let's get into the game itself. So Georgia's number one team in the country, they just blew the doors off of a pretty talented Oregon team. I don't know if we can say yet whether or not. you know they're who they're, they're gonna be, right. yeah, yeah, I, exactly. Um, but you know they they have a lot of talent on that roster, and then of course they play Sanford, so we can't gather much from that except for they settled for more field goals than touchdowns uh, against Sanford than maybe I I would have expected, but they still won by thirty points. So thirty three. Um, like, yeah. yeah. So does Georgia have a weakness? You know what? What do you see as a, a Potential mismatch in this, if there is.
1: I'm not going to go as far as saying mismatch. I think that's a little bit much. But secondary is a little bit unproven, I guess. That's kind of something Kirby Smart's talked about. I mean, they lost a ton of players to the NFL. Everybody knows how good their defense was last year. It's not breaking new ground with that. But yeah, it is. It does. It's not quite the same thing as you saw last week at arkansas where arkansas was literally down two starters in the secondary but they are unproven i mean they're all four and five stars it's there's crazy talent on that georgia roster but they are unproven first road game that's something kirby smart talked about this week and shane beamer talked about um beamer actually mentioned it uh, unless there's fifth year seniors nobody's played in a full williams price in that roster because last time they came to columbia was in the COVID year um which i guess he's right i didn't think about that until he said it but yeah uh i guess that would qualify as a weakness but you're you're really grasping at straws this is a really complete georgia team
0: yeah which by the way they just did just announce that the game's a sellout so williams bryce will be full um and i did like uh beamer's quote that said if you need more time to tailgate just wake up earlier so um you know get those get those morning mimosas set up there on the tailgate um and yeah you know do what you got to do to to be ready to go for noon um but you know he basically shrugged off the idea that it's not a night game that the environment's somehow going to be lessened by it not being a night game um and yeah i've i've heard it get plenty loud there and at at noon it's just some things need to happen early to put that pressure on um, the youth of georgia that you're talking about especially on that defense um, I talked a little to Anthony Dasher at UGA Sports.com. I'll post that at the end of this podcast episode. Um, also, you can see what he wrote about Georgia on GameCoxCoop.com. We posted that yesterday in our From the Other Side series that we do with opponents each week. And he mentioned some of the same things like, you know, they're all four and five stars. Uh, they're pretty good across the board, um, but they haven't really been tested. I mean, Bo Nicks, is talent in some ways, but he's Bo Nix. yeah. He's to me, the Spencer Rattler, if he is playing the way that he can play, um, had the most talented quarterback that they faced so so far this year, which is not even that big of a uh, stretch to say. Um, but I do think, unlike the Arkansas game, when he has his opportunities, uh, to hit a deep shot here or there, he's gonna have to connect on some of those because I don't see. South Carolina sort of methodically moving the, the, the ball down the field, at least um, not on a drive-by-drive basis.
1: No, this was something I wrote a little bit about. I dropped a story today about the tight end battle in this game. Uh, Georgia, obviously, probably the best. I don't I don't even say probably. They do have the best tight end room in the country. Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Eric Gilbert, who hasn't even played that much because it's just that deep. He's a former five-star. Yeah. Um, South Carolina, Marcus Satterfield said yesterday that he needs to get the ball to the tight ends. More, he put that on himself. He took responsibility for maybe not seeing as much of Gene Bell as we have. Um, but that's where those deep shots come in. That's where pushing the ball vertically comes in. And, yeah, Rattler's got to hit those. He missed two last week, one in each of the first two quarters. There would have been touchdowns if he had connected. They were a receiver. I think it might have been Amari and Brown both times. But
0: I think in so any so case, too, yeah. a receiver got behind the Arkansas secondary. And if
1: Rattler connects – that's a completely different game we're talking about last week.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, the, the thing with the Jaheim Bell thing, I don't mind that they've put him in the backfield some, tried to get the ball in his hands in creative ways, all that sort of thing. But to me, it seems obvious uh, that he should have been more involved in the passing game as a true sort of mismatch against linebackers or whatever over the middle. We saw that work very well in the bowl game. Um We also saw him take some some uh, toss, like a toss play around the corner or whatever in the bowl game, and that worked very well, too. I, I, I think Isn't you can do both. The first
1: rushing play of the game at Arkansas, it was a toss, yeah.
0: Right, yeah, I think you can do both, but there's definitely been a a, a lack. Okay. What, he's got, what, three receptions for 18 yards? Or it, it, it may right. not even be any.
1: Yeah, he's got way more rushes than he does catches right now, which I don't think that should be the case with players talented as Jimmy e. Bell in the passing game.
0: And as much as it is a good idea to get him involved in the in the run game, I think I like the end of the sort of end around thing, much as uh, lining him up in the backfield. Because to me, it seems like when he's in the backfield, you kind of know what's coming, right? Like, okay, that's going to be a toss play to Bell. Um, I, I haven't scripted every single play to see if he ever just like blocks or or whatever. Um, but for the most part it seems like when he's in there he's he's getting the ball. Um, and you also think this week you cannot wait until what Arkansas had 113 yards or maybe more than that before Marshawn Lloyd got his first carry. Um you can't wait that. His first carry. Yeah, you can't wait until the second quarter to to give their first carry to a running back. Um, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to like dominate this Georgia front. You're definitely not. Um, but you have to have some semblance of a run game. You have to get into decent third down situations. Um if we look at the last two games, they went three of fourteen on third down against Georgia State and three of ten against Arkansas. So that's combined six and twenty-four uh third down so far. And yeah, you I mean you just that's not acceptable. You're not gonna win ball games, especially against superior uh, opponents, um, or even equal opponents if you keep that up.
1: No, I asked Marcus Satterfield about that point blank yesterday. Um, I asked him about third downs. and He said, quote, he made a big stink of that. I'm using his exact words. He made a stink of third downs in the in the team meeting rooms this week. He said that they have to be better there. There's It's just straight up that, that he I think the other word he used was unacceptable for the amount of the quarterback talent they have and the wide receiver talent they have that he missed bad on third downs. He did mention they converted some second and tens last week. That's true. I think the – the touchdown drive that cut it to 2116, I believe they had two second and ten conversions, and obviously the touchdown was on a third down. But for the most part, they were in third downs, they were in third and longs. Um the sack on Spencer Rattler from Bumper Pool that kind of solved South Carolina's momentum after they cut it to five was on a third and I think nine or third and ten. Yeah, gotta be better first and second downs, and that goes back to what Shane Beavers talked about, what Satterfield's talked about, what everybody's talked about. They gotta run the ball.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's kind of the problem. Is like You can make us think about third downs, but really I think the problem is I'm first and down, <laughs> you're getting into too many third and long situations. I mean, just compared to what Arkansas did last week where almost all of their third downs that I can remember were like third and two, third and three. It's like, okay, well, that's a much more high percentage play. You have the whole playbook versus the defense being able to pin back their ears and just pass rush an um, already shaky offensive line. Um and that offensive line is definitely going to be tested this week. So I yeah. don't know. I don't know what I, what specifically you're looking for this week. Like, is there a way for South Carolina to actually make this game a second half game? And what are the keys to that? And my number one would have to be that the O line's is just going to have to play better than we've seen them play maybe over the last two seasons
1: yeah i mean that's obviously what you're that's where the game starts and ends since that was sam pittman's i think he said in his opening statement after south carolina that's a line of scrimmage league if you want to make it that we do which clearly they did with almost 300 rushing yards last week um my only other thing and it's not new we just talked about it um spencer rattler just you got to hit the deep balls there's that's pretty much what it comes down to there's I don't think he's going to get as many chances as he did against Arkansas. I don't expect there to be a free runner once a quarter, which is pretty much what happened against Arkansas. But that makes it all the more important that the one or two – you're probably only going to get one or two coverage busts a game against this Georgia defense. And when you get them, and when you get, there's a chance to push the ball for chunk plays 30, 40 yards down the field. It's got to connect. There's really another way to say it.
0: Yeah, and this is something that um, I've seen with Spencer Adelaide so far is he doesn't seem to trust tight windows so much. Um, and then he's missed some wide open guys. But uh, I know several times, and the broadcast was talking about this a little bit last week, that he would, his you know, back step on a three-step or five-step drop, and instead of just letting it go, and he would have a guy if, if he just let it go. I mean, it would be close, but he would have a guy if he's trying to hit this timing, if he trusted the receiver there. Um, he kind of double takes and then you know the play breaks down and it turns into backyard football sometimes that's worked out i mean we work out a couple times for the first two weeks um but sometimes that's where he starts making these crazy decisions or he gets sacked or or whatever so i think um there just needs to be a little bit of a crispness because you're not going to get a ton of wide open guys like you said there needs to be a little bit of a trust and and you know i'll take a couple of interceptions i'm not throwing into double coverage or whatever but i'll take a couple one-on-one battles that you just lose if you give your guy a chance at it um but i don't think that you can play conservative uh in this game and, and still make it a second quarter game or a second half game and still put the pressure on georgia in that way
1: yeah it's funny though it's kind of a whole ironic point you talk about those one-on-one battles and sometimes you lose them yeah you will against a team that's talented but jaheem pelkin went a lot of those that's a big body with really good hands We've already seen Antoine Wells can win one on one battles. Um, that throw in the first game against Georgia State—that's Jalen Brooks getting behind his man, winning. I know it's a Georgia State cornerback, not a Georgia one, but that's Jalen Brooks getting behind his man, winning a one on one battle. Like that, that's the biggest positive. I wrote a little bit about this in Faye and Phil last week too. We don't have an identity yet for this offense, but we know there's talented, skill players. We don't even—we haven't even seen Corey Rucker get back in the fold yet. Maybe he plays Saturday, maybe not, but. At some point, that's another very talented receiver back in there who can cause problems, who can, I don't know, if you want to decoy him. and Maybe that's how you get the ball to, to Wells or whoever more. Um, Josh Fan has one catch for nine yards in two games. I don't really know what the deal is with that, but that was your leading receiver last season
0: by a pretty healthy margin. Um, Going to need more. Hey, had a, Go ahead. He had over 100 yards against Georgia last year. I mean, be a good time for him to, to pop that up again. Um, I don't know what yeah. the problem
1: is there, but that's good. I mean, if Josh Van finishes this game with zero catches again, like he did last week, I'm almost certain South Carolina is not going to win.
0: Yeah, both he and um, Jalen Brooks had big receiving games last year in this game. So, you know, maybe they can recreate that. I do think, like you said, you have to get Jah- Jaheim Bell involved. And then, yeah, you have to have some semblance of a run game. I, even if it's Marshawn Lloyd, ending this 75 rushing yards or something like that. I mean, that would be fine. But at at least at that point, you have probably um, had a couple of drives sustained. Um, You've kept your defense fresh, which is something that they struggled big time with against Arkansas last week. Um, And yeah, put a little bit of, or taken a little bit of pressure off of Spencer Rattler. which at the end of the day, if South Carolina is going to compete in this game, it is going to rest on his shoulders. He's going to have to be the former five-star. He's going to have to be the um, former Heisman front runner or whatever. Um, but I think anytime you can help him out, you should definitely do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that is where it comes back to it, 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 It's a line of scrimmage league and it's a quarterback league. And I think we've covered both of those plenty, but yeah, it's, it's funny you talk about you know keeping the defense um, fresh, getting bodies in and out, not not having them have to face. I think it was eighty six snaps last week at Arkansas. I might be having the number wrong, but it was something like that. It's even Time more possession
0: important was at least ten minutes off. Um, yep. Yeah.
1: It's even more important this week because you're down so many guys. Minimum two guys you had last week aren't going to be there this week. It could be as many as six on that defense. We don't know what the questionables are going to look like. But you're down even more bodies, and you're going to have to figure out ways to keep – yeah, I mean, again, you talk about things, stats you could read now where I could tell you who wins the game. If time of possessions, Georgia plus 10, plus 12, plus 14 minutes, yeah, South Carolina's not going to win, and probably will be over by halftime.
0: So I know neither one of us picked South Carolina to win this game. Um, By the way, each week uh, our staff does a full pick of – the South Carolina game, but also like ten or so games around college football. Uh, we post that on Fridays, so check out GameClocksGroup.com um, to check it out. I don't neither one of us did. Actually, one of our staff, which I'll yeah. I'll let it stay a surprise, did pick South Carolina to win this one. Which, hey, I hope he's right. That would be amazing for us. Make make it a lot more fun to talk about. Um, but. <laughs> So neither one of us picked, picked them to win. What are you looking for? What are some signs of success in this game, even if South Carolina doesn't necessarily win it?
1: So my big one, and this is what I'm looking at more than anything, turnovers. I mean, spent, spent rattled through a bad pick against Georgia State, part of two turnovers in that game. South Carolina turned the ball over twice in the fourth quarter last week at Arkansas. That was something Bieber said. Again, you just can't do it if you want to win on the road in the SEC. If South Carolina can get through this game without a turnover or even one fluky bounce, fumble, weird thing, turnover, but no bad decisions. OK, that's progress. That's understanding the offense more. That's understanding roles more. That's probably being Spencer Routers making better decisions. And if you get turnovers the other way, if you force one or two from Georgia and you're plus one or plus two okay, there's those extra possessions Beamer was talking about. But that's my big thing. I'm looking at turnovers, especially against a defense this good. If you can play a clean football game, even if it gets away on the scoreboard, I think that's legitimate progress going into the rest of the schedule.
0: Yeah, I mean, if South Carolina really going to have a chance on this one, I think you have to win the turnover battle. You probably need at least one game-breaking play on the special teams. Um, and yeah, you're going to have to hit some big plays on offense and Put the pressure on early. I don't really see a scenario where you fall down two or three scores of Georgia and somehow work your way back into it. I, um, I think. Imagine. Uh, I think you have to you have to start fast, which is another thing that this team has sort of struggled with so far this season, even against Georgia State and at home. Um, we talked about their, their struggles on the road starting fast, but you know it's not like they've. Been blazing at home either. Um, so I think you have to start fast, win the turnover battle, probably steal a possession on special teams or have some sort of breaking play on special teams. And even I think we talked about this before South Carolina needs to play their A game, and Georgia probably can't play their A game, maybe not even their B game. Um, and then you let the chips fall where they may. I mean, on paper, Obviously Georgia is favored by almost twenty-five points for a reason. But uh, they play the game on paper. You know, they they were favored by this much in twenty nineteen when South Carolina We won, talked so. about
1: it this week and we talk about special teams. Any stupid South Carolina Georgia game you've ever watched in your life probably involves something on special teams that went South Carolina's way. Whether that's Melvin Ingram taking a fake punt, whether that's Georgia missing was it three chip shot field goals in twenty fourteen, whether that's Rodrigo Blankenship missing a short field goal in overtime in 2019. These games are weird, man. I don't have to explain it to you. I grew up in Georgia. You grew up in South Carolina. I. These games are weird. I. You never know.
0: Yeah, yeah. We and we also talked about just sometimes Georgia comes into Williams-Price Stadium and just has a very off game. I mean, I think about Quincy Carter, who eventually was an NFL quarterback throwing five interceptions or whatever yeah. it was against uh, lou Hold's team. um so yeah i mean weird things happen in the series um i'm hoping for a little weirdness this weekend that'll that'll be fun to watch um but yeah so you said limit the turnovers another thing that i'm looking for regardless win loss whatever uh is the offensive line just playing a more complete game um i thought that they did improve from week one to week two but obviously you're playing a elite front seven uh this week and you're gonna have your hands full of jalen carter if he makes some plays on you whatever i mean that's a that's a future you know long time nfl or probably as long as he's he stays healthy um but you know you can't have six x uh you can't you can't have no running game um so i really need to just see some cohesiveness some improvement and some push from the O-line, uh, and then, you know, sometimes you take your lumps here and there, but I, I don't I don't see this game even being close if the O-line plays the way they have the first two weeks.
1: Yeah, and that goes back to another thing with Rattler I'm looking for. Some of this has been by design, Satterfield and Beamer moving him off his spots, getting him on the roll. Some of it has just been him, I think, not trusting this offensive line to block long enough he's kind of moved on his own. And like you said earlier, that's been a mixed bag. He's had some really good throws on the run. He's made some pretty bad decisions. Both those bad interceptions he threw were times where he was rolling on the run, trying to do too much. I'm interested to see if the offensive line gives him time, how comfortable he is sitting in the pocket and delivering versus how much he still wants to get out on the, get out on the run. And I don't know how well that's going to work especially against this Georgia defense, they move so quick side to side. The linebackers are so fast, cover all 53 yards horizontally. I'm not sure if Spencer Rattler on the run is a winning formula in this game, at least not consistently.
0: Yeah, this is something we were talking about as we were watching the game against Arkansas, too. Very rarely does he elude pressure by stepping up in the pocket, and it it pretty much always is rolling out, which – you know, if he wants to play on Sundays, he's going to have to figure that out. He's going to have to yeah. um, learn how to step up around the pressure because I do think some of those sacks last week you could maybe put on him that, that he kind of, instead of taking his lane inside um, and getting rid of the ball, he kind of went, tried to go outside and then uh, exposed himself to unblocked defenders. So it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of settle in a little bit there. But like you said, it's kind of chicken or an egg thing because the O-line hasn't been all that trustworthy, too, so you understand it's a little quick to, to run around. Um, any other signs of success for Carolina uh, this weekend, win or loss? You know, what are, anything else you're looking for? Um,
1: it's not really so much performance-based, but dear God, don't get anyone else hurt. That's kind of the other thing. I mean... You've got two games coming up against Charlotte and SC State. Those should be get right games. Those should be get healthy games before you get into the rest of the SEC schedule. You can't have anyone else go down, especially on that defense, which I know that's not really maybe fair. That's not performance-based. That's not something you can really evaluate other than just someone got hurt or they didn't. But that's kind of what I'm looking for too. even though, again, maybe you can't judge anything on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know it's <laughs> – we should be talking about the game at hand, but like we said, on paper, you know, It is what it is. Let's look at the, the the schedule after this, though. Do you think things get a little bit easier? And as the few, first few weeks have played out, um, some teams that maybe looked a lot more intimidating at the beginning of the year look a little bit less. Maybe some teams that um, looked less look a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, you got Charlotte and SC State after this. Should win both of those. Should go into the Kentucky game three and two. Kentucky looked good, but it's kind of hard to tell how good Florida is. I don't know if they're a top ten team. Kentucky, I mean um, Texas A and M obviously lost to App State. Missouri, yeah. Missouri Missouri really does not look good. Yeah.
1: I said this to you on our, I think it was our post SEC Media Days podcast that I thought Missouri had the worst quarterback situation of the SEC, Vanderbilt included. Like, I actually yeah. think Mike Wright is probably better than anything Missouri can put out there. And sure enough, four straight possessions with a pick last week from two Missouri quarterbacks. That's that's a game that's an SEC game. South Carolina should win comfortably. We'll get to that in Missouri week. That's the end of October. But that's right. significantly terrible right now, I think.
0: No. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's what I'm looking at here is, like, it's. I know it's September 15th. A lot of things are going to change. We've seen how much things can change from an injury standpoint in just one week. Um, but I think you have a reasonable chance. Vanderbilt's after Missouri. I've, I think you have a reasonable, reasonable chance going into Florida to be six and three, five and four. You know, sort you're, of looking at this right. the, that last you're stretch. Talking there. About,
1: you're talking about splitting Kentucky and A&M. Obviously, beating Charlotte and SC State, beating Missouri but Yeah, you're talking about basically winning all the games you're supposed to and splitting Kentucky and A&M. And you'd be six and three Which, going to the swamp.
0: Which it's doesn't sound like an impossible possible. task anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, it doesn't.
1: But you got to stay healthy. That goes back to my original point that you can't have more guys get hurt this weekend.
0: Right. So, you know, South Carolina fans, let's enjoy this game on Saturday. Let's hope that some weird stuff happens, um, that the home field advantage plays a role, which sold out crowd. Hopefully it will. Um, but I don't want to see people on the message board just freaking out like the. End is not all this stuff, right? Like you're playing the number one team in the country. You're playing the the defending national champions. If you covered the 25 point spread, which is, I mean, that's for a reason. um, The season's not over, right? Like it's going to get a lot easier (laughs) after this week. Um, So you know, trust the process. Try to enjoy this game. And hey, I hope that (laughs) yeah, I hope we come on here uh, Saturday and Sunday and. I, this, this soundbite is stupid, you know, and that they yeah, ended I mean, up shocking the world or whatever, which I know I'm not supposed to say shock the world. Yeah. if you ever had a whole thing like about
1: that. that. Someone, um, someone asked him Tuesday about that. He said, he doesn't want to hear shock in the world. He doesn't want to hear about Appalachian state beating A&M. He doesn't want to, like, he wants them to believe this is a football game they can win. Um, I guess that's fine to say. And, i don't know 45 hours from now they're going to take the field with a delayed kickoff by the way if you're watching from home beamer mentioned something about how they're going to show 2001 and sandstorm like exclusively on espn so i think we're looking at like a 1205 kick if you're planning your pregame, i don't know beer runs or whatever if you're at home or if you want to tailgate an extra five minutes um it sounds like espn going to push his kickoff back but it's going to be a crazy environment i'm excited to see it um yeah it's this is what you want. It's gonna be fun. Like I don't know what the game's gonna look like, but come on, number one. It's only the fourth time ever the number one teams come to Columbia. Obviously, South Carolina won one of those first three games. Um, it's what you want. That's what you're here for.
0: Yeah. Well, and as as beat up as the South Carolina defense is right now, there is still a scenario where they get some of that turnover bug that they had last season. Um, can kind of force a couple. Couple things that happen, and then I still definitely don't think that South Carolina's played their best offensive game that they're going to play this year. There's just too much talent on that side of the ball uh, for them to have been as inconsistent as they are. And I think at some point it is going to come together. I don't know if it's going to come together like from or point it comes together onward through the rest of the season, but I do think there are going to be some games where you're just like, "Wow, there's that, <laughs> there's all that talent, and it's all working." Um, it'd be nice if that happens this weekend against the sort of young um secondary of georgia young linebackers of georgia um but you know i we'll just have to see how it plays out all right give me a give me a score prediction have you come up with one yet
1: i actually haven't um my preview will be dropping on the site tomorrow because it's a noon game um i haven't written the preview the prediction part yet i do think georgia covers but they don't cover by a lot i think that's a fourth quarter cover i think this is a well, it's funny. I'm not going to say who, but another South Carolina writer weirdly said, like, this is going to be a weirdly close, like, 13-10 game at halftime, and then Georgia's going to pull away. Someone else said that to me yesterday. I don't know about that, but I do think this is a two-possession game at halftime that Georgia pulls away in the second half. I said, let's go 42-17, and Georgia just barely covers, but South Carolina just ball in the end zone a couple times. I think you have a little bit higher score for South Carolina.
0: I do. It's an optimistic score considering no one scored a touchdown on Georgia yet. Georgia all season,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. But that was the same scenario last year, too. Um, and South Carolina was the first team to score a touchdown against Georgia. Um, so I picked 45-27, which means I think Rattler is going to hit some of those big plays uh, if they open up this time. Um, I don't really – I think some of that might be some, some – uh, garbage time like just scoring a couple touchdowns late like they did last week um but yeah I, I think i think this offense can score especially if the game does get out of hand uh in the third early fourth and and georgia starts to play some reserves um i think that they could still score some points so 27 i have them covering backdoor cover uh and you know i'm hoping that it's much closer than that because it would be a lot more fun if it is
1: if that's what happens, if South Carolina loses this game 45-27 and also nobody gets hurt and Rattler plays as well as that line score would suggest, I think you're probably feeling okay going into Charlotte and SC State if you're a South Carolina fan.
0: Yeah, you can definitely take some some moral victories there, which I know you know, the the culture that Shane Beamer is trying to create doesn't celebrate moral victories or whatever, but if you're just being realistic guy and you – We got a really great recruiting class coming down the pike. It's ranked 17th on Rivals right now with five star Nick Harper still out there. We'll see how Um, you've laid the foundation. Like I said, number one kid in 2025, several kids in 2024. You already got your quarterback set for 2024. Uh, You know, you can feel good about the momentum uh, going. Pretty much no matter what happens in this game, you can feel good about that momentum going. But um, I, I'm okay with moral victories against the number one team in the country right now. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah. And like, that's probably not what South Carolina fans want to hear, especially against a rival. I think most people would consider Georgia South Carolina's second biggest rival behind Clemson, obviously um, but that's where it is right now. And this is a weird rivalry. They got, they got to roll the ball out and play on Saturday.
0: Um, do you want to talk a little national perspective on a couple more games real quick?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know what to think of Auburn-Penn State, but that's probably the game I'm most interested in outside of Columbia. That's that's just weird. That's, that was a weird game last year at Penn State. It's going to be a weird game. Have you seen this Auburn-Orange jersey thing that they may or may not be doing an orange out, but nobody knows? But also
2: they might be. It's been like back and forth on <sighs> socials all week. <laughs> I, but
0: I don't like the Auburn-Orange. I mean, it looks fine as like a – I guess I don't like any orange, but I mean, I grew up – you know, a South Carolina fan. So that makes sense. But I just, I, it looks fine as an accent to the blue. I just can't imagine an orange Jersey is going to look particularly good. Um, I think what's that line right now? Like 11? Penn's, no, um, it's
1: like three. It's like Penn state minus three.
0: Oh, wow. I thought it was I bigger think. than that. Um, I think,
1: checking for you
2: now.
0: I think Penn state covers that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's, one of my two or three picks that I'm kind of locking in for the week. Um Penn State covers that one. I, I don't know. I don't I I don't I think the end is nigh for Brian Harson. And it Yeah, it, it, it is Penn State every, three, right now. Everyone's felt that yeah. okay. Yeah. Um I think I got it at two and a half. Okay. So I feel a little bit better about that. But um I still think they'll be fine. Yeah. Um Yeah my
1: only thing with that who's, is
0: Who's starting at Penn State? Clifford? So yeah, it's still Clifford. Like a six-year starter it's, or something? Yeah, Clifford in a very, very tough road environment. He didn't play well
1: at all on the road at Purdue. It, they pulled that out of the fire in the last 30 seconds. I don't know. We talk about Georgia, South Carolina being weird. Auburn in general is weird. We'll, we'll see what happens there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. We got Miami, Texas AM. and You think Texas AM is going to bounce back after App State, or do the wheels just sort of start to fall off there? What's I going think on? the wheels
1: are falling there. I don't even think Miami is particularly good, but my my AM thing is just – it goes back to what we talked about with Arkansas last week. It's just line play, and AM's offensive line, four and five stars in all, got bullied by a Sun Belt line on both sides last week. App State, time of possession was over 40 minutes. And you actually saw this. And i couldn't believe it saturday night do you know how many first downs a m had last week the entire game
0: i have no idea nine. i watched it but i'm geez. nine. yeah you can't you can't get bullied by an app state defense i mean they are good but you're i mean you got five stars all over the field you got oil money there. um yeah i uh I think I heard this from another podcast, but I can't remember, but I completely agree. They're just and it's something I haven't really thought about, but they're talking about how Jimbo is the only head coach that's a former offensive coordinator that has one of the most boring offenses uh in the country yeah. that I can think of. Um, so yeah, I mean I think their defense is really good. Their defense is gonna continue to be really good, which and Games, but uh, that offense is struggling right now. That'll be interesting also, no to see. no idea what to make of make of Miami. They've played two games:
1: one against the FCS, one against the pretty bad G Five. They won both in blowouts. Cool. That's kind of their equivalent of Charlotte and SC State. Now, real game on the road, College Station. We're gonna see.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm also looking forward to see what Mississippi State can do against LSU. They've looked pretty good so far. LSU has not, but. I don't know. You think about it. If they don't have all those mistakes against Florida State and they are, this, you know, pull that game out or whatever. Because right now, I think they're the underdog here by like points. I think it's Mississippi points, State minus like that. Um, I think two, the
1: I think is what I saw it at.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, but I, you know, a couple of plays go the other way there, and I think LSU is probably a five point favorite or something here at home. Sure. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know how bad is yet um and i don't know how good mississippi state is yet that'll be an interesting to watch a good measuring stick for both i think
1: yeah you got a saturday night in death valley that's that's always just a fun setting on television and a tough environment for mississippi state
0: yeah i mean it's been surprising how decent their defense has been so far definitely yeah different
1: yeah
0: yeah Definitely seem to be built a little bit different than the Washington State and Texas Tech teams that Leach had. Um, real quick, uh, the baseball schedule dropped. I don't know if you wanna just really quickly talk a little bit about that before, while I'm queuing up um, the video between me and Anthony.
1: Yeah, um, so the SEC schedule dropped. We still don't know about the non-conference series other than Clemson, obviously, and the midweeks. But for the weekends, the SEC schedule dropped yesterday. It does get a little bit favorable down the stretch. They're going to get Missouri. They're going to get Georgia. Um, they're going to get an Auburn team that just lost the best player in the SEC last year to, to Major League Baseball over the draft, at least in the minors now. But that there's no way around it. That opening stretch is brutal. First two weekends at Arkansas versus LSU. Um, this team's going to have to stay afloat early, and um, we'll see what the non-conference schedule is. But at least in terms of SEC, they're going to have to find a way to not get knocked out of the season before the turn. Because they could, this could be a quick, a bad start, and give everything else around the program right now that could, that could, we'll talk way more baseball in the spring. That could turn sour with a schedule that tough out of the gate in conference play.
0: Yeah, I was looking at um, Stephen Anderson's breakdown on gamecocksgroup.com dot com of the schedule, and you know, one thing that I kind of noted is if it it is a brutal schedule, but it also feels like no matter how you slice it in the SEC. Yeah. This schedule is going to be tough. Like, um, I don't, I don't know that you can get the uh, SEC schedule to drop and be like, oh yeah, that's an easy slate, you know. So, um, it's gonna, it's gonna be tough. But also, if you make it gauntlet, as we saw this year, um, tons of SEC schools made it uh, all the way to the College World Series because it's, it's the best conference in America. If you can make it through the, it's very similar to football, if you can make it through the gauntlet, then you're probably a your favorite on the uh the national stage as well so yeah um all right anything else before we get out of here that you wanted to talk about georgia south carolina anything
1: i think we pretty much hit on all bases here um big weekend y'all enjoy it have some fun tailgate but if you tailgate tailgate early shane wants you in your seats before noon
0: <laughs> Yep. and alan and i will both be uh at williams bryce this weekend so if you see either of us just say What's up and looking forward to uh, covering my first game of the season in person. Um, After we hop off here, there's another little 10 minute segment of me talking to Anthony Dasher at UGA sports.com. So definitely stick around and check that out get some insight from the other side, how he seems this sees this game play out. Um, Don't forget to go check us out at gamecocksgroup.com subscribe on whatever podcast or video platform you like to use and we'll see you on sunday or saturday uh, to break down this game Till next time this has been caleb alexander alan cole see you later hey again and welcome back to the gamecock scoop com podcast um this is the segment that we're calling view from the other side and i'm joined by anthony dasher from Sports.com, also on the rivals network great site over there you guys should go check that out um and we're talking um south carolina and georgia georgia's traveling to williams rice stadium this week and is a very heavy favorite um i think it's sitting at like 24 and a half right now or that's what it opened yeah. at Sounds about right for the uh, reigning national champs. Um, so that's actually where I wanted to start. So Georgia's fresh off of a national championship, but many people kind of heading into the season wondered if it could continue at that high level, especially after losing several players off of one of the co- the best uh, defensive teams in college football of all time. The, you know definitely arguable. Um, Five defensive players taking the first round of the NFL draft in April. Um, So how are you feeling about that reload after seeing two games so far in the 2022 season? I know probably most
2: fans saw that they blew out Oregon game one. So, yeah, Uh, you know, through two games, uh, you know, so far so good. I'm I'm not sure if we have all our, you know, answers yet as far as, how you know, good this Georgia defense will ultimately be. A lot of guys are playing that, you know, don't have a lot of experience as far as, you know, what they're going to see, you know, Saturday coming into a hostile road environment. But you look at players that George has replaced, uh, you know, the the Jordans and Trayvon walkers of the world with I mean, again, these are all former four-star, five-star players. Very highly recruited kids. uh, May not have the the numbers. People may not know their names quite as well yet as uh, they did that group last year. But But it's, uh, uh, you know, an outfit that I think, you know, a lot of people that I I speak with, uh, you know, daily expect, uh, you know, will continue to improve, improve, uh, you know, as the year goes along. And and they'll get another, you know, I think a good test, uh, you know, know, on Saturday.
0: Yeah, like you said, so weekly we do the little uh, star comparison. I haven't finished ours yet this week, but I've already started looking. And it's pretty nice that, yeah, you you lose a lot to NFL draft, but you have, and five star guys kind of stepping in right there um after them i i, would, I am interested to see if the road environment makes a difference although i, w- I would have rather seen it at the three thirty or a, a night game <laughs> instead of a, a noon yeah. game but I, I still think that the uh the stadium will be full and loud at least by you know the second quarter or so if they if south county can hang around for a little bit and put some pressure on them um so Really quickly, how would you say Georgia fans view South Carolina? I know for a while there, it seemed like there was a rivalry starting to uh, fully form while Spurrier was there. But I assume at this point, they kind of view this game as one they expect to win yearly.
2: Uh, I think most fans I speak to probably do think that way. Although, again, South Carolina seems to come up every other you know two or three years or whatnot and knock george off it like did in athens uh, i know uh, what what two three years ago there so yeah. i don't think it's a game that you know fans you know take for granted you mentioned the rivalry i think it is there i mean Georgia has a lot of very good rivalries i mean just like south carolina does i mean florida tennessee auburn you can probably ask uh you know five different george fans perhaps and maybe even get five different answers kind of depending on where those people happen to happen to live but uh yeah, it's, a, it's a obviously a big game. But it's kind of weird playing it early, you know, you know, at noon, I guess. Like like it is. I I've been to Columbia countless times. Uh, I tell you what, uh, night games at William Bryce are, are can be scary for an uh, opposing team. But so I am interested to see how this early kickoff is going to affect both squads.
0: Yeah, it'll be my first game that I get to attend this season as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. But it would have been nice uh, to see it under the lights, and everything. Um, so. What I I usually ask what matchups you feel that your team has the advantage, but I feel like pretty much across the board, uh, at least on paper, Georgia probably has the advantage. Do you see any matchups where you feel like South Carolina might have an advantage here?
2: Well, I'm um, curious to see Georgia. This is I think it's going to be the first time Georgia is going to you know face a team that can you know really hurt it throwing the football. And we saw last year what what Mr. Van did uh, in Athens had had a big game, and uh, I know that uh, reading one of your articles this morning, the success, you know that that Spencer Rattler has uh, across the middle of the field. I think I read a, a stat, but he's like completed like 19 of a uh, 21 passes. I know you know with Coach Bean, but they've always run a lot of crossing routes. They've got you've got a very good tight end set there at, uh, at, at South Carolina, and uh, I'm curious to see how Georgia's linebackers, which has been a young group and its safety is kind of respond because, uh, you know, I'm sure that's how Carolina, how South Carolina is going to try to attack Georgia, try to, try to you know, try to spread things out, soften up that middle of the field. And so that's going to be, a, I think, a big key for Georgia's defense is how well they do in, in those aspects of that mid-range passing game for South Carolina. Yeah, I know in your
0: article that you put for our website, which uh, those of you that are listening to this on Thursday, it was posted yesterday, you can check that out. But you mentioned – that in Keeley Ringo, obviously, there's um, a lot of experience, all, S- all SEC selection, all that. Uh, but <clears throat> on the other side, um, Kamari Lant- Lasseter is a little bit greener uh, behind the ears or whatever, a little bit um, more inexperienced. So perhaps that's a place that South Carolina can try to take advantage is the inexperience in the secondary. But like we've said, there's still, right, highly rooted um, mm-hmm. athletes in that secondary. Um, yeah, I don't know how much you've seen of uh, South Carolina's first two games, but I would say most Carolina fans would say that even though Rattler threw for almost 400 yards last weekend, he still missed um, a lot of wide open receivers at times. So if he can hit those, then I think it does put a little bit of pressure on that secondary because uh, so far two games, have been a lot of open receivers. Um, I mean, there's a lot of – probably. The strength of this team right now, between the tight ends and the receivers, as far as um, the most athletic parts of the the, the team, but mm-hmm. um, it's just rather hitting those in those key moments. He has hit some big passes at times, but not usually when the pressure's on. So we'll have to see how that
2: plays out at home. And I'm curious to see what kind of uh, you know pressure Georgia can uh, create on defense. What kind of havoc they can uh, you know make uh, as far as defending you know Spencer uh, was concerned. I know uh, Arkansas had the six sacks last week. Uh, Georgia, interestingly enough, through two games only has one. That's by freshman defenseman Michael Williams. However, you look at what Bo Nix did uh, for, for Oregon, real just really quick getting the ball out of his hands. I mean. I mean, Coach Mark was saying he averaged like 2.1 seconds, you know, as far as getting the snap and throwing the football. And the same thing less for Michael Hire as a And Georgia really didn't try to blitz much, didn't try to, you know, you know, get sacks so to speak. But uh you know, I think you'll probably see a little more of that this this weekend. I mean Spencer can still hurt you with his legs, obviously, but I think they believe they have more of an opportunity this week to, to make some things happen. So so again, keep an eye out on Mikael Webbs, Nolan Meth, you know Robert Bill Jr., maybe some of these inside linebackers, uh Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, could be a huge problem for South Carolina. He's a huge problem for both teams. <laughs> they right. play at that defensive tackle spot. Uh so that's going you know, I'm sure we you know we get to talk to Coach Beamberg, you know, Know, during the SEC teleconference, that's something I want to ask them about. I'm sure, that's going to be a big, a big issue for, for them in this contest.
0: Yeah, the offensive lines definitely had its struggles over the last two years. Um, opening game, they looked pretty poor against Georgia State, um, who was you know smaller and sort of used their speed uh, to get around. I thought they looked a little bit better against Arkansas. Like you said they'd still give up six sacks. I don't know if all of those were on the offensive line. Some of that that's is rattler, rattler kind of running around trying to make. Too much happens sometimes or whatever um but yeah I, I think that that's definitely something to be wary of if you're south carolina going up against this very talented front for georgia
2: um are there any injuries that georgia's dealing with right now that uh our readers should be aware of Well, the biggest one is wide receiver ad mitchell who was actually the leading receiver in last year's game against uh south carolina injured his ankle uh, against Samford. Uh, initially, Coach Smart said after the game that, you know, he could have gone back in. But, you know, lo and behold, yesterday he did not practice. And uh, I would probably list him as doubtful. And right now I'd probably be surprised if, if he plays. But that said, I mean, Georgia, Georgia already has 60, 16 different players who have caught passes from Stetson Bennett. And uh, so even if they're minus uh, 80 Mitchell, uh, you know, they're going to have plenty of <laughs> targets, you know, left. So that's been the you know, to question, what, what the, what's the difference in this year's Georgia team? It's, again, it's the fact they're using so many kids, uh, it, you know, in, in that passing game. And Stetson Bennett is doing a great job spreading the football around
0: yeah so i that was actually my next question is kind of what you think george is going to try to do on offense and when i was looking at the box score at least for oregon i was found it very interesting to see that they only ran it 25 times for 132 yards Mm -hmm. versus throwing it 37 times for 439 Mm -hmm. yards um which yeah seems kind of flipped from what their offensive philosophy has been in the past you kind of expect that to continue
2: yeah i will say say a lot of those past especially at oregon game uh, um Kenny McIntosh actually led Georgia in receiving with with nine catches and has fourteen for their lead the team right now. So a, a lot of these passes to the backs are almost like extended handoffs. Right. So that's how and Kirby Smart counts those as runs. And, and last week, week uh, Kendall Milton had a had a great game, you know, running the ball ten carries for eighty five yards. And I know you know just on what South Carolina, you know, the struggle they've had stopping the runs so far. I do think you may see Georgia make a more of a concerted effort. That being said they still want to spread the ball around. They want to uh, test again is, is averaging what 337 yards passing through two games. So they're going to still want to try to do that. But I do think you'll see them, you know, see if they can see if they can have the same type of running the ball and, and, and be balanced. A
0: little yeah. More balanced rather. yeah, definitely. And I didn't realize that so many of those were dump offs. So, so that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, so, all right, last question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have a score prediction for this weekend?
2: Uh, I, obviously, I do. I do think. I do think Georgia wins. I I, I like what Dame Beamer has done. I like the culture he, he's building at South Carolina. I think he's ultimately going to do a job, good job. If fans just have, have patience with him, I, I I know him a little bit. I know what kind of coach he is. You know, from from the time here at UGA, and if it will stick with him. I think. He'll, I think he'll be fine. Uh, that said, I I just think right now Georgia has, has just too much offensive. I and mean, I think Carolina can have some success moving the football. Uh, they're gonna have to run lot ball a lot better than they have. You know, uh, the, especially after, especially after last week, I think Spencer Rattler really could cause a, could can make some plays against this secondary again, which is the youngest in spot. spots. So, so I think right now Georgia, you know, I think Georgia will uh, somewhere maybe forty two twenty one forty two seventeen range, something of that nature.
0: Yeah, so that's right around the spread, right at 24 right and a half. About you know, not saying yeah. they're going to
2: hit the spread, but I mean, I think yeah. it'll be somewhere in that vicinity.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of points for uh, a road game in the SEC. I'll probably pick South Carolina to cover, but obviously can't pick them to to win a game like this right now. Um, and yeah, I'm interested to see what South Carolina's offensive philosophy will be this game. You mentioned the the run game; they pretty much they didn't run terribly against Arkansas when they tried to. It just mm-hmm. they didn't try to run the ball until late in the second quarter, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think uh, our beat reporter, Alan Cole, had a stat that um, Arkansas had 120-something rushing yards before the first running, the first running back attempt from South Carolina because I think they ran it a little bit with like Gene Bell or something. But mm-hmm. the actual first running back attempt, uh, Arkansas already hundred something yards rushing. So yeah. I'll be interested to see if they try to exploit the youth in Georgia's secondary and just come out slinging the ball around again, or if they try to be a little bit more stubborn, establishing the run before <laughs> um, yeah. letting that happen. Because I, yeah, I think you you're right that Georgia's offense is a little. More dangerous, maybe, than it had seemed in the past. So maybe they try to keep them off the field a little bit. Well, thank you for joining us today, Anthony My and um, all our watchers, readers. Uh, definitely go check out ugasports.com for coverage leading up to the game this week. And yeah, we'll see you on Saturday.
2: See you Saturday. Right,
0: have a good one.